welcome to Inspiration from the Couch. I'm Avery. I'm Jamie. And I'm Lucy. We are psychologists and moms. Join us as we discuss what we've figured out, what we've yet to figure out, and what there's just no figuring out. It's sure to be fun, and you may be inspired along the way. Hello, listeners. Jamie here. First off, we just wanted to express our gratitude for your listenership. We appreciate all of the support, and we'd like to make a request. We would love for all of you to reach out to us through our website, inspirationfromthecouch.com. Let us know how we're doing, and if you have any suggestions for future topics, or if you are interested in the three of us coming to your place of business or organization to speak on anything that we've talked about before, or if you have a special request, please let us know. We are very interested in being connected with all of you and creating a community. So please enjoy this next podcast on comfort. Grab your cozy PJs, a warm beverage, and settle in. And we look forward to hearing from you soon. Thanks so much. Hello, everyone. Today, our topic is really broad. We're going to talk about comfort. And so one of the things that when we were talking about upcoming episodes for the podcast a couple of months ago, Lucy, you had come up with the topic comfort, and then you had referenced the Danish word used to acknowledge that sense of comfort. And the Danish word is called huga or huga, depends on how you pronounce it. But I I think that's one of those two ways is how you pronounce it. But anyways, it's a really interesting concept that dates way back to the 1800s. That's the first time it appeared in any of the Danish writing. And it's actually derived from a Norwegian word called well-being or meaning, not called being, meaning well-being. And a few years ago, we saw it pop up all over the place as a lifestyle. And, you know, it's, I was, as I was doing research for this podcast, if you look back in 2016, 2017, it was a lot more popular then. You saw it a lot in lifestyle magazines. And this, this word is spelled H-Y-G-G-E. Yes. I had no idea that that's how you said it, but yes. I've seen it. So it's H-Y-G-G-E. Yes. Yes. So it looks like hygiene. Yeah, that's the way I think I said it in my head. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's huga. Yeah, it was even one of Pinterest trends of the year in 2017. <laughs> so it got really popular over here in the US. And I think it's really interesting because the the Danish came up with this. Think about like where they live and how cold it is. And so they created this concept in order to survive that, the cold, the darkness, boredom, Mm. all of those sorts of things. And so that was a way for the Danish individuals to find moments to celebrate and to kind of break away from that mundane harshness of their environment. And so it's something I find that's really interesting, and it is a big deal for them, it seems like, is that Lighting and candlelight is a big thing. That that simple act of lighting a candle and, you know, just sitting there by candlelight and enjoying a cup of coffee or a warm beverage is something that can create that that sense um, of comfort. So you you kind of like alluded to it, Avery, but when did y'all hear about that particular topic or how long have you known about it? 
I think that about five years ago sounds like a time that because I when I when I see that word I picture it kind of being overlaid with like a really chunky knit blanket or mm-hmm. something or like warm like cozy is kind of the word yeah. that comes yes. to mind when I mm-hmm. think of, when I see that word but yeah probably about five years ago I feel like big chunk knit blankets and you know sweaters is kind of what comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same for me. And it was four or five years ago. And I have a very good friend named Claudia, who we would talk about this. And and I have called it Hygie. So I still say that in my head. And I will probably say that during the podcast if mm-hmm. I say the word, because that's just how it looks. But we talked about it and this idea. And I think that I've always been drawn towards like wintry sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So this idea of like yeah. being by a fireplace, you know, warm beverages, like those are my favorite things. And so Claudia and I had these long discussions and we were going to like, this was going to be our claim to fame, right? In terms of like ideas of what we were going to do, we're like, we need to create like a, a hygiene for Texas, mm-hmm. right? Because really in <laughs> Texas here, a good majority of the year, all of this is like moot, right? right and it's right. totally like anti like the idea and the like 110 degree summer of having like a warm beverage and like a fire and a blanket. <laughs> right, right, like right. we want nothing to do with that. And so we talked a lot about like, what what does hygiene, hookah, you uh-huh. know, look like mm-hmm. in Texas, like in a different mm-hmm. climate and a different culture? And like, how would we translate that idea? Yeah. One of the other aspects of Huga is you know, another definition of it is the art of creating intimacy. So either with your friends, at home, with yourself. And so, yeah, I think, Lucy, if you decide to revisit that with Claudia, Uh (laughs) you can be a how to create intimate environment in Texas. Uh There you go. (laughs) A different bent on it. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Because I was laughing and we were like, you need like cold plunge pools, right? <laughs> like, like we need a very different vibe that just like connotes something uh-huh. totally different. So what are, what are some things that you all find comforting? Like if we're to distill it down to kind of a feeling, because that's one of the, the principles of, of Huga is that if you're not feeling it, then that's not what it is. That sense of comfort. You have to comfort. feel it. You have to feel it. Yes. It's you have to feel that sense of comfort. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one image that is just like really coming to mind is my daughter, Wesley, when she was little, she loved everything cozy. And she mm-hmm. would even say it super cute. She's like, cozy. Like everything was cozy. <laughs> and she, this child would wear full on onesie pajamas in Texas summers because she always wanted to be cozy. She liked a heating pad in her bed when she found out that there was such a thing as an electric blanket here in Texas. That was all she wanted for Christmas. She liked slippers, what she called house shoes. She liked, I mean, like she was the coziest, comfortiest kid. And it was wonderful. I mean, I I loved it. But even now we'll just be like, let's get cozy. And it's it's really that idea of like under a blanket snuggled up, even if we had to turn the air down to be like that and be cozy. And so that that's just like the image that comes that the cozy kind of is the image that keeps coming to mind. Yeah. I think of like a pumpkin spice latte. Right. (laughs) And it's it's a little jarring because now they come out in August. Which once again is 110 degrees, so it doesn't quite fit. So it's a pumpkin spice latte on like a crisp fall day. Like we need the weather to be a certain way to like make it all fit. To get the feeling. Yeah. Uh You made me chuckle, Avery, when you were talking about Wesley, because Grace is the exact same way. And it doesn't matter what time of year it is for her. She wants to be extremely comfortable. Mm -hmm. That child loves her bed with her cat. 
who Same. snuggles right up. Same. And the cat who doesn't. Just, yeah, no. uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sure there the are cat does not. <laughs> Luna does not do us any favors in the morning when I'm trying to help get her up for school. She just wants to lay right next to Gracie. It makes it really hard for her to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we yeah. had this. Ex- we had this conversation this morning. Wesley's cat Mushu uh-huh. lays. We call it like perched, but she lays across Wesley's body. Uh-huh. Wesley has like fifteen thousand blankets. <laughs> yes. Her bed is like super cozy, and it's it's got this like mattress cover. So you have to kind of like launch yourself into the bed, and then all these blankets. It's just a it's a process to try to get launched out of the like cozy comfort of the bed. Yeah, cat doesn't help. And I think I'm similar to <laughs> like. When I'm really tired or wanting some comfort, I like my bed. Yeah. <laughs> I like my bed with clean sheets. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's a thing yes. for you, Lucy. Yes. I'm like wistfully like, oh, I'm yes. out, guys. Yeah. I'm going home. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Clean sheets and a nice blanket. I'm, and right before this podcast, Avery, you were talking about like your love of weighted blankets and things like that. And I can't really do a weighted blanket. It feels really suffocating to like I uh-huh. feel like constricted uh-huh. but I do love like really clean sheets and just a nice feeling blanket yeah that I love mm-hmm. yeah I like the way to blanket Avery I'm right there with you <laughs> um it is like serotonin dump for me it just feels so but good. only in bed when I'm laying down right so like yeah. if I'm snuggled up on the couch no 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 like I it, like blankets mm-hmm. but not that but yeah. snuggled on the couch i'm like more like fuzzy light blankets uh-huh. the, but like in the bed like maybe what jamie likes yeah yeah more regularly yeah 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 in my bed right now i've got this really heavy weighted blanket and my cat sleeps on me i've got like my silky satiny pillow i mean it is a haven of comfort sound machine yeah, yeah. Sound yeah. Machine. like yes. in my nest and it's just like super cozy super when we travel i'm like I have really ruined myself. Like I'm not such a flexible sleeper anymore because there's like the certain circumstances that really promote the best sleep. I, know. Yes. I bring my pillowcase now wherever uh-huh. I go. I'm like one of those people now. <laughs> so any anything else that comes to mind for you for comfort? I mean, I think of fireplaces. So I do yeah. think like candles, right? Uh-huh. Candles, yeah. fire, warmth, soft, furry. Yes. Mm-hmm. Those would be the adjectives. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, again, that that sense of coziness and snuggling up and, uh-huh. mm-hmm. yeah, like an intimate, you know, when you're doing that sort of thing, it is. It's like it feels like an intimate environment. It's you don't have you with 15 of your closest friends, right. you know, doing that. I was just going to say, because I think that there can be an element of like community or connection, but it has to be for me, like familiar and easy. Yes. Right. So it doesn't feel so like comforting and cozy if you're trying to be on and like entertaining or taking care of. It's more of like being taken care That's of right. rather than taking care of someone else. What, it, it is like a state of mind. Uh-huh. I, I think about like when I have this cozy image, it's either at the end of the day or a day, we call it the, the perfect day in our family where like you change out of your PJs from last night and into new PJs for today. <laughs> uh-huh. But like that where there's just nothing that you have to do. There's no uh-huh. force. It's just I can just be comfort, like comforting for myself. Yeah. So are there any downsides that you're aware of to comfort? Any downsides? I'll say for me, I mean when I talk about like the perfect day, like changing from one PJ into mm-hmm. another PJ, it's, it, it can flirt with like the immobility that comes with. Do you always change your PJs? Do you sometimes just go one day to the next without the change? There's something really beautiful about putting on fresh PJs. Kind of like <laughs> Do you do it right before bed? 
So just at some point during the day, whatever point during the day that you realize you're not leaving and you're like, <laughs> oh, or even better is to like have your like shower and then put on fresh, clean PJs. Because yeah. it's like just an embracing, we're not leaving the house all day today. Yeah. Which is amazing and can start to flirt with a little bit of depression for me. Okay. So it's downside. Like Here's the downside. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So like that, that is an amazing way to spend a Saturday in my mind. And when I'm not feeling really good, that feels like an even more amazing way to spend a Saturday, but it feels much more like avoidant and exhausting and ugh, than like, oh, this is exciting and almost like indulgent. So I have to, I have to be careful too, too much weighted blanket, like Velcros me to the couch or the bed. And that's, it's, and then it's a slippery slope, right? Mm. Yeah. And so almost that idea of like comfort as a way to, avoid something you that you like need to do. Yeah. Right. But it ultimately like in the short term, it feels good, but ultimately in the right. long term, we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. That's right. And the comfort Avery, you said it like the numbing out sort of comfort tends to maybe not be as helpful. You got it. You got it. So yeah. the drinking or like over drinking mm-hmm. or too much TV watching. Yes. So it, it sounds like comfort leading into avoidance and withdrawal behaviors and that being a big, a big downfall or a downside to comfort if it manifests into that. Something else that I found in an article was talking about comfort inflation, which I thought was really interesting. I can absolutely relate to this, that our standards of comfort can inflate over time. So, for example, when you're a college student, a futon might be great. Uh-huh. But now that you're in your 40s, you know, a king-size bed with fancy sheets is the way to go, yeah. right? Uh-huh. So, that's the only thing that you'll do, right? So, like, for example, you know, if you fly, you're flying economy and you're upgraded, you know, usually you're elated. Woohoo! But if you're flying business or first class and you get downgraded, then it's like, oh, I'm irritated with this, right? Uh-huh. So, it's easier to adjust upwards than downwards because a that lot of times... such a great point. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times comfort is about convenience and control. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that can be a downside. How about for you all? Have you experienced that <laughs> comfort inflation? Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I don't, it's funny. I'm laughing because like even in my twenties, like some of my friends would say, you know, Avery, you're not really like a girl on the go. <laughs> like I've never really been a girl on the go. Like I kind of always want my comfort items, but that's gotten worse. I mean, in my forties, like that's gotten certainly like I need more comfort items. I need the pillowcase and I really would prefer like the whole pillow. And I really would maybe prefer to bring the weighted blanket as well. And I think some of that is just like menopause and like not sleeping well. And so like value my sleep over all else, like is kind of like a health concern for me. And I think I have gotten more like high maintenance. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And I I didn't, it wasn't like I wasn't high maintenance before. So (laughs) there's been an upward trend for sure. Yeah. I think you and I have both, we've both joked about that. Like love a good upgrade. Love a good upgrade. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I joke that our family is like, would you like the upgrade? Yes. What is it? And how much does it cost? But first I've already said yes. Sign me up. Sign me up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And one of the other things that I was looking at, so the book, The Brain That Changes Itself, the author talked about too much comfort actually lowering resilience Mm. and the ability to deal with, with challenges. So being able to leave that comfort zone, quote unquote, is the one of the keys to helping our brain sort of keep going. Uh huh. And yeah. Any thoughts about that? 
That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about, you know, I was thinking about tangible comfort, but it's interesting because we have this, like you were saying, a comfort zone in our brain too. Mm-hmm. And you're right. And any way to have growth, and we talk about this, this is probably one of the most fundamental messages we send to our clients. Like for any growth and learning to occur, there has to be discomfort. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a good thing in many ways, but how do we, how do we tolerate it? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that the comfort and control are so very closely linked. I mean, I, I'm most comfortable in my environment that I have the most control over. Mm-hmm. And there's this idea of like both having to relinquish that with control, trying to be in control of everything is not a very resilient way to live, right? I mean, that's that's super vulnerable, right? Or super e- easily harmed if you kind of have this very controlling way of, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, and I think kind of adjacent to that, you know, something else that I was thinking about has to do with, you know, our culture a lot of times talks to us about, you know, getting rid of negative feelings rather than experiencing them. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes that that individuals have difficulty with, you know, taking an interest in being curious about and sort of accepting their negative experiences, negative, and I want to put that in quotes, mm-hmm. negative the emotions obviously run the the gamut. But, you know, rather than suppressing them, you know, when you're able to do that, that's actually linked with with better functioning, not always relying on those avoidance withdrawal strategies to try to not have any sort of like negative or distressing or uncomfortable emotions. So almost like how do we comfort and soothe in the midst of discomfort, right? Mm-hmm. Not right. as a way to kind of shut it out and turn it off, but as a way to like lovingly help ourselves through it as best as possible. When it's hard and uncomfortable. So feeling our feelings versus like numbing our feelings. Yeah. Yeah, And offering comfort as a way to support ourselves versus like block out. Exactly. Got it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So how about we're talking about maybe comfort strategies that that could be ineffective that you lean on to comfort yourself, maybe that aren't don't truly provide Mm -hmm. what you need as that way of support. What are some things that either y'all have used in the past that maybe you've used to comfort yourself, not that effective, or you've seen your clients use? What are some things? Oh, like for me, like online shopping, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm noticing Mm -hmm. that a lot right now because it's like Christmas time. So I've like been pulled back into the online landscape, which is just a time suck. But then I get caught in the like, I want a little bit or I don't have enough or this isn't good. Like, it's just this spiral of like, not so great. I mean, lots of things that numb me. I mean, whether it's drinking or even like watching TV or uh, one of my favorite things to that's comforting for me is to listen to podcasts, uh-huh. one podcast in particular. And I love to listen to it, but I'm, I'm noticing like when I'm trying to process difficult emotions, all of those take me out, right? Watching TV, listening to a podcast, drinking, and really, you know, journaling or thinking or talking can really help me to get through it versus just blocking it out. Yeah. And I think that Avery, maybe it depends on how you use like the podcast. So I'm thinking like, let's say someone had an eating disorder and they're really struggling with like diet culture. And then they go and listen to an episode of maintenance phase that actually might be very helpful and supportive. Yeah. 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 And, and grounding you in something different. Or maybe like you, but I can also see like you're having a fight with your husband or trouble with your child. And you go listen to a podcast as a way to escape and avoid it's not connected. That's right. So kind of go either way. Exactly. Exactly. I, 
couple of weeks ago, I was really exhausted, depleted, and I just wanted to lay on the couch and listen actually to Maintenance Phase because I find it hilarious and informative. And that felt really good. It was like, this is what I want to do. This is really helpful. The other day, I had a few minutes available and I was listening to it. And I was like, you know, actually, what would probably be better is for me to turn that off and write about how I'm actually feeling and really try to like process more in a more active way. And I love that, that it all comes back to you connecting with yourself about what is it that I need right now? Right. And what's going to serve me? And is it listening to this podcast? Is it journaling and tuning in? It's not so much what you're doing, but like, like the role it's serving and how you're doing it. Mm -hmm. So I hear alcohol, substances, things to numb you out, online shopping. What about other things? Something that I was thinking about when I was younger, I used to be a huge nail biter as a kid. And so I would engage in that to because I was anxious and that was kind of a, a comfort. And so sometimes we'll see clients who engage in similar sort of like stereotypical re- repetitive behavioral things like that, like biting fingernails, picking, hair, picking hairs, hair uh-huh. yeah, yeah, skin picking, eyelashes. like those, those uh-huh. kinds of things. Other things that I, I see quite a bit in my practice when individuals search for comfort from unhelpful supportive people, like maybe an ex, like they'll get trapped into like going going back to an ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend or or whoever that, you know, there was a reason that the relationship ended, <laughs> you know, in the first place. And yet the individual can get, you know, say my client can get sucked back in into trying to reach out and get support from somebody who isn't that supportive. Mm-hmm. Looking for comfort in all the wrong places. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And kind of along that line, looking for comfort in all the wrong places, sometimes we'll see individuals who want reassurance or comfort and they'll do it in a really indirect way. So like, for example, posting something on Instagram or Facebook and then waiting Mm -hmm. for comfort or reassurance to come in. And a lot of times that's pretty misguided effort to get some true comfort, whatever that they're seeking, whether it's belongingness or, or whatever. Any other thoughts about that? An interesting point you're bringing up of like going outside for comfort versus like going inside for comfort Mm -hmm. and, and I think that that certainly, I mean, conversations I've had with both of you, like this week have offered me a lot of comfort. So I think there is a lot of benefit sure. to turning to supportive, loving people for comfort. But I think if it's kind of one of those things where it cannot, like being all one way or the other, only looking outward for comfort really kind of maintains that process of like not feeling like you can self-soothe, Right. And so I think kind of that idea of of both and, right, both having self-soothing behaviors and more social behaviors that can offer comfort. So something that I was thinking about, too, like during this holiday season is the notion of comfort food. Mm. What are your thoughts about comfort food as a strategy? I'm going to be honest, that that is real dicey for me. I mean, I my relationship with food has been long and complicated and difficult, and the idea of Seeking comfort and reassurance from food is something that that I've struggled with probably my whole life, and it's it, it's not great for me because I think it's I think in, in a, as a concept it may not be a bad idea, right? But for me as a, an individual, food has never really offered me the kind of comfort that I desire and need, and it's really so much more beneficial for me to have a relationship with food where food is just food, and it's not and, and trying to break that emotional relationship with food has been like an important lifelong journey for me. But I know that that's, that's maybe not something that is exists for everybody, but certainly for me, like that gets real slippery. Mm-hmm. How about for you, Lucy? 
Yeah, my stance around it, both personally and professionally, is that emotional eating is is actually a facet of normal eating. Like mm-hmm. We all eat for emotional mm-hmm. reasons at times. And when we start to judge ourselves for that or say we can't do it or I can only eat when I'm hungry, like that can create this rigidity that actually doesn't always map into like the real world, right? And so there's a skill I use sometimes called effective emotional eating. And it's this idea that when we eat for emotional reasons – we're not like getting stuffed or binging and we feel better afterwards. Like, you know, maybe it's worked. And so the idea is just if we're going to do that, we do it mindfully. We're not doing it all the time. Right. But that there's a place for it. And like this realm of like normal eating. Right. And there really is a neurological basis for it because 90 percent of the serotonin that's found in our body is from our gut. It's mm-hmm. from our digestive tract. So it makes sense that when we're reaching out, trying to help regulate our mood or our sleep, that it can help with antidepressant sort of an experience. I was going to say to you, Annette, it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. Does that make right. sense? So why right. can I can eat comforting foods when I'm hungry, right? So sometimes we think of emotional eating as this like non-hunger eating and it can be right. that way, but sometimes ideally it'll line up. Like I am both hungry and then I'm eating foods that nourish my body, mind and soul like all at the same time. And then it's like jackpot. That's right. And and I think that's, that's like the golden goose, right? That's what I'm, that's what I'm ever striving for is to really get it back into line with, okay, this is what, this is how I want to feed my body, both, both because my body feels like this would be comforting, like it would be comforting to eat this thing and it's nourishing, right? Versus this is comforting, but not nourishing because it actually makes me feel uncomfortable, physically uncomfortable because I've been eating when I'm not really not hungry or the opposite end of that of like, so like rigidity around it, I'm not allowed to have this thing that would feel really good. And so I think that's really like threading that needle, right? Of like the things that both comfort and nourish. And I just want to make a quick caveat because some people then take that to mean like it has to comfort, but it has to have nutritional that's value. Right, no, no, no. That's, that's right. right. That's right. And so we're, that's not what I'm meaning. But more just like, you're meaning oh, either. I'm, I'm, it's time for dinner and, and I'm feeling hungry. And what would feel really good is some soup and some like nice warm bread that would like both nourish my body because I'm hungry for it and right. it would feel so soothing and nice. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think like what you're talking about, both of you is sort of this notion of, of having these positive food experiences where you're able to kind of make the match, right? Rather than it being reliant on, you know, which food group have I not eaten today that I need to eat or calories or portion size or whatever, but really paying attention. Like you were saying, Avery, you know, what tuning in, what is it that I really, really want? And then how can I obtain that? And when you make that match, it's usually a really satisfying eating experience. That's right. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about some ineffective ways that people can try to comfort themselves. How about the opposite of that then? What are some effective ways to comfort yourself? What are some things that you, you love to do? I was saying before we started recording that our, my family has purchased a massage chair recently yeah. <laughs> and it is like you can turn it on heat, which is really nice, but it's cooler. And I promise you guys, the other day I was in a session and I was like, oh gosh, this is so hard. And I was like, ooh, but I have the massage chair. <laughs> I was like, I'm you turned it on? Yeah, no, in my mind. <laughs> oh, 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 I thought you were like, when I get home, I get to get in the massage chair. I thought you were like doing a video <laughs> session, like, hang on one second, let me get my settings right. <laughs> I'm going to position I'm my camera so I can lean back. <laughs> <laughs> but it was I was like, 
looking forward to that comfort, oh, kind of like comfort yeah. me in the moment of like, yeah. oh, I'm going to be able to do this thing. It's really going to be settling for me. It's going like to be anticipating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you're like, so like visualizing, that's right. right? This mm-hmm. is going to be a really pleasant, peaceful yes. experience. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. that's a great strategy. Yes. To, to visualize what could be coming up that you find comforting. Mm-hmm. I think for some people too, like touch can be really comforting. Yeah. I'm actually not a huge touch person, but, but my, my younger one, Charlotte is right. And so, you know, nighttime, like I've tried to create a little bit of time where I can go and like, she's going to like chop on her back, like pound mm-hmm. on it, or I get a lacrosse <laughs> ball back and kind of like rub that around. And I think that that for her is probably pretty containing and soothing and relaxing. Oh, you bring up an excellent point, which is when our comfort and other people's comfort could be similar or different. I think that's a really nice, I think especially as we're parenting or trying to offer to comfort other people in our lives. I, I am definitely a touch comfort person. And my daughter, I think all three of us all in my family, my, my husband and my daughter and I are all very touch kind of like the offers a lot of comfort, tight hugs and closeness and the weighted blanket. And like just that pressure feels like so soothing and comfortable. But I think that's really a nice thing to be sensitive of. That's not the case for everybody. And so kind of almost like that love language idea, but like comfort language of like what's comforting for you and what's comforting to people around you is a and that's helpful interesting because this is, and I hadn't thought about that, Avery. This is kind of a new like ritual or routine we've been doing more yeah. recently. But it's, and, but I think for years I was probably like, who needs that? Like, no one has time for that. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> you know, but, but maybe it's important yeah. to her. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of like knowing that about yourself and the people who, who you're providing comfort for. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like, a good stretch, uh-huh. <laughs> a great stretch. Yeah. Just like raising my arms up over my head and then kind of like slowly folding forward. And that is comforting to me, kind of like feeling the your muscles release and that sort of thing. I think that's great. It's really nice. Uh-huh. I love that. Um, other things quickly, other stuff that you all enjoy or that you've recommended for clients. I think we've talked a lot about like the cozy comforts, but I think when you mentioned that stretch comfort, I mean, that certainly there's a place that we, the three of us like to go hiking and it is a comfort. I mean, when we're stressed or worried or overwhelmed, like that's a place that we can either think about or actually go back to. And that can really offer comfort of being outside and movement, that kind of peaceful hiking experience can be very comforting. And so that's a different way of thinking about comfort. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else, like other things? I mean, there's so many different, I mean, I think one of the things is for people to kind of take an, an inventory and look at like, what are really the the true comforts, you know, that maybe have to do with either connection with other individuals that you find comforting or what are things that you can do solo and utilize your your senses. So whether that's listening to music or you know, cuddling up with something or taking a hot shower or whatever. I think doing that inventory is a is a good practice. Are we mm-hmm. do trying this at home? Yeah, we're gonna just jump in because okay. I think we're getting <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're getting to time. So yeah, any how about for the two of you? I think my do try this at home would be to give yourself permission to intentionally seek comfort. Yeah, I think once again, if we're caught in a productivity mindset, like comfort requires a degree of slowing down and tuning in. And so how do we kind of prioritize that and give ourselves permission to do that? Yep. On that line, I think is giving yourself and the people around you permission for that to be different. 
that that what's comforting to me and what's comforting to you are might be going to be different. Or oh my gosh, and if you're giving people permission to seek comfort <laughs> on their own right. timetable, oh, right? right? Like yes. I may get max. I want them to be being productive or like doing yes. something, but they want to seek comfort and can. I value and be okay with that. So space for comfort in our own lives and in others, whatever that may look like. Yeah. Awesome. I think that's going to do it for today. What are we talking about next week, Avery? So next week, we're going to talk about service. So service to others, community service. I hope you'll join us. I think it'll be a good conversation. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Subscribe to Inspiration from the Couch wherever you access your podcasts. We always welcome your feedback. Visit us on our website at inspirationfromthecouch.com. Inspiration from the Couch.